We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Guys, finding a nice suit for a good price is tough. That's why I roll with Indochino. Great custom suits that are affordable. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure men's warehouse. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurement for a great fit. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customization, submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. The Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. This is an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. This episode is brought to you by Indochino, Harry's Razors, and ShipStation. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and special guest, Nolan Jensen of NetsRepublic.com. Fellas, how are we doing after a win? I feel pretty good, you know, especially in that fourth quarter. The second unit really came together. That's obviously been a plaguing issue of the Brooklyn Nets this year. But, you know, they upped their defensive intensity, uh, made some shots down the clutch, and... DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen both dominated the paint tonight. Pleasure having a fellow Joe Harris stand on. And I was just thinking <laughs> about this. Are... Nolan Jensen, NJ, New Jersey. It's just a confluence of wonderful things. I did that, that brain exploding moment. It's it's dumb. I'm a dumb Aussie. <laughs> let's, just, let's talk about the Nets. Let's talk about the Nets, I guess. All right, before we get started, as always, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and bluewirepods.com. But no one already hinted at this. The Nets really picked it up in that fourth quarter, started out on a 12-2 run, 
What'd you guys love about that fourth quarter that sealed the win? Uh, just as I mentioned before, I really like the defensive intensity, especially coming from the perimeter guys like David Nwaba, Amon Shumpert, who have kind of become known as uh, picking up the intensity when we're lacking. They can come in, they can clamp up perimeter defenders. Um, again, I really liked how not just Jared Allen, but DeAndre Jordan played tonight. The three ball was falling. When the three ball falls for Brooklyn, it usually is good things. Um, it was really nice seeing Joe Harris and Torian Prince get involved early and that kind of their flow maintained throughout the game. Um, overall, it was just it was just a great team win. I felt really good about this W. Yeah, I, I don't think there were many poor performances on the night, apart from probably Musa, who only did play 12 minutes. But that final period, like mm. you're talking about, Nick, the defense was just uh, otherworldly. You know, Musa and not Musa, uh, Shumpert and and Nawaba getting their hands involved, steals into transition buckets. Theo Pinson getting involved too. That bench unit, the defensive identity there. I'd love to see and look into the stats of, of the defensive rating of, of when that squad is on because there's just so much switchability when you've got Shumpert and Nawabra out there. And when you can turn defense into offense, it makes the team look so much better. And it gets those open looks because, you know, I, I don't think Shumpert's three ball has necessarily found rhythm yet. I think David Nawabra is about 50% on, on, on limited shots on the season. Hit a couple again tonight too. So, you know, just the defensive identity was just something to marvel almost. Yeah, no, you guys hit it on the head. Nawaba and Shumpert, what they do is they just disrupt the other team. They take them out of their offensive set. They can't get comfortable, and they end up with a bad shot. And sometimes it leads to turnovers and easy transition buckets. And those guys, you just can't question the hustle, especially on a night where it felt like the Nets came out a little bit blah in that first quarter. But moving on to just the overall game, what do you guys think about that first half? We talked about the fourth quarter, the intensity really picking up. In the first half, it was kind of not there. Um, what I've really, really stood out to me in the first half, um, I'm sure you guys have mentioned this before, is when you get Joe Harris looks early, when you run offensive sets for him, when you get the ball in his hand, usually good things tend to happen. And we saw he made his first three shots. He was hitting beautiful pocket passes to um, cutting bigs like Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan. Um, Torian Prince, he looked... He looked comfortable out there today. I think often we've had to ask more of Torian Prince than maybe we want to or even what he's comfortable with. Because next next year, his value is obviously really going to be showcased as that catch-and-shoot, or catch-and-shoot, sorry, 3 and D guy. But this year, we've asked him to put the ball on the floor when the offense is stagnated. And he's usually made you know, bad decisions with the basketball. But today was another example as well as the Hawks game of him, you know, craftily finding bigs open um, for drop-off dunks, uh, making the right decisions with the basketball. Um, overall, the offense was great. The defense in the first half wasn't fantastic. Obviously picked up in the, later in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. But again, really wasn't too much to complain about with this, uh, with this game. Yeah, I think the the first half, like you were sort of hinting at, Nolan, obviously I mentioned Joe Harris at length on this podcast. It might as well be called the Joe Harris <laughs> dedicated pod. But the, the three ball was falling. I think that that, that, that could not be argued. But they, I think I remember doing a, a mini recap on Periscope. They only got to the line four times in that first half. And Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets, Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo aren't world beaters down low. They're not Joel Embiid and Rudy Gobert. And, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie didn't really get there often. He didn't look as aggressive. In that second half, and also a few times, just looking at just generally, Spencer would walk up the ball a few times, and, and you know we'd get like 17 seconds left to, to get into a set. 
Whereas when we were pushing that pace, we we had a bit of purpose, you know, to come out into that third quarter. And I think the defensive purpose is what sort of set the tone initially. But when you're actually actively looking to, for things, you don't necessarily waiting for things to come to you. And in terms of the offense, you know, I think Joe Harris is a guy who obviously makes that point. You know, I think that dunk from Torian Prince gave the Nets some good energy. He looked really aggressive. And again, like Nolan was mentioning, five dimes for him. Of late, we've sort of talked about it. He has been able to find guys down low, been able to find guys out on the perimeter. Really good game from him, from Torian Prince tonight. You know, he hit, hit a couple of three balls too. Did get to the line. Uh, a really balanced performance, even though you just look at it on paper. 16 points, five rebounds, five assists and a steal. Doesn't necessarily stand out like it did the, uh, the other night against Atlanta when he had 20 points plus. But this game was a really sort of purposeful and, and controlled game from him. Yeah, you like to see, you know, the passing from Torian Prince, five assists, no one touched on it. He's improving that area. And do you, would you guys say out of everyone who, other than Spencer Dinwiddie during the stretch of Karis Avert and Kyrie being out, that we've seen the most improvement from Prince? I think it would be hard to refute that. Um, again, inconsistency is a, obviously a major issue with Torian Prince's game. You could see, because he, he's just so unbelievably naturally talented. He's got a great NBA body. Sometimes he has a one-track mind on drives where he puts his head down and gets caught with like an erratic kick out to the perimeter. But when he's calm, cool, and collective like we saw today and like we saw against Atlanta, and when he's capable, because he is, he's capable of making um, the right decisions with the basketball, he's been great. Yeah, I think that we're seeing a lot more patience from Prince and a lot more proactivity and not necessarily having a one-track mind like Nolan was sort of hinting at. He's reading the game a lot better. He's, he's playing with a lot more balance and control. And I think that's something, you know, I'll put my hand up for Garrett Temple being a guy to massively step up. You know, I know Toyin Prince has probably been the major factor in that. But for me, Garrett Temple has been huge. And despite the fact that, you know, he only hit two of eight from three tonight, he was the, the leader in plus minus. But that's because he also played some minutes with the bench unit. It wasn't his best night. But I think Garrett Temple does give you some balance and some control out there. To, uh, probably to an even higher extent to what Toyin Prince has had. I just think that this Nets team is starting to find their footing individually and as a collective. And, you know, obviously we're only a quarter way, a little bit, little past quarter way through the season now. So things are starting to gel. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, two guys who had big nights tonight were Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. You know, they put up some numbers, not only in terms of points, but on the boards. Yeah, Jared Allen, um, these last seven games, I think every game now he's had a double-double. He's turning into a walking double and age 21. He's still only 21, so you love to see the subtle improvements in his game. But he's playing with a certain, I almost want to say like a chip on his shoulder, a certain swagger. He's you can you can tell like the, the ferocity in his dunks or when he catches the ball down low, the hard dribbles. He's playing a lot meaner, and uh, that is something that a lot of us have advocated for. And it's it's kind of hard to ask a player to alter their mental approach. But right now, as it stands, it seems like he's getting more and more confident, and he's getting. I felt like that he's now got a permission to dominate, so to speak. Yeah, I think that he just knows what he is and he's growing into himself again. A kid that's only 21 years old and, and still not 22 until, you know, April, I believe. So the fact that this guy, this big, giant, afro man is starting to put all the things together, realize the tools that he has, 
like Nolan mentioned, the confidence that he has, he just knows that, you know, I can get every rebound if I want to. I can get 90% of the rebounds if I want to. I have long arms. I have athleticism. I can switch out on, on guys on the perimeter. I can do a little bit in the pick and roll. I can put the ball on the floor. I can start to make the pass out of the short roll. And he's obviously a tremendous blocker. And I've always advocated for how good of a timer he is on his blockers. He's not as ferocious as a guy like DeAndre Jordan is. But you always see, I think, as a, just a, a comparison point, Jared Allen always times it well, and you see him tip it. And it, they don't look as good at, uh, unless it's a face-to-face. -face. He's blocking someone at the rim. But he always times his blocks so well. And he had two of them tonight and two steals too. To have a double-double, including four offensive rebounds, only 22 minutes of play, 7 to 10 from the field. Whatever he is doing, he is always impacting. It's all about putting your feet up before the game, Jack. You know, that's, that's what success. it is, man. That's what it is. <laughs> no, but obviously, Jared, we've seen the improvement from him just attacking offensively. And one thing he's done really good, taking advantage of all the experience he has in the NBA, is finding those open spots offensively so Dinwiddie, Harris, Prince can hit him to get those easy dunks. But... With the holiday rush here, you have to be able to ship out orders quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders? Decide which shipping carrier to use or if you're getting the best rate. Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. I personally have relatives across the United States, and shipping their gifts can be annoying, but ShipStation makes it easy. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed. The ancient Greeks didn't need a flex ball or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge to add gimmicky features to your razor. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. You know, I personally enjoy Harry's low price, close shave, keeps my beard edged up nice. You know, they're quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middleman. It's a German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century which means you're getting an incredibly high quality blade at factory direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. Send the subscriptions right to your house. And listeners to my show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five blade razor with lubricating strips and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade to cover your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. DeAndre had a big night and actually played more minutes than Jared tonight with 16 points and 13 rebounds. What'd you like from DeAndre? What I really like from DeAndre is there's been an in moments this year where he's looked spry, there's also been moments where he's been flat-footed and kind of a statue on defense. The intensity on offensive glass, I believe he had five offensive boards and a couple of really key ones down in the fourth quarter, getting this team a second opportunity, which is obviously going to be of much significance when Kyrie Irving, Karis Levert, and Kevin Durant are all back. You want to see him kind of pick up where Jared Allen left off when he takes his first break. 
And he did that tonight. Um, DeAndre Jordan, I believe he had 13 boards. He had a double-double as well as Jared Allen. So both bigs are dominating the paint. And if he can keep that going once Jared Allen goes to the bench, acts almost as a security blanket, that would be obviously huge for this team. I love DeAndre's passing. That, that's just one thing. I'm, I just love uh, – maybe it's the fact that I just love the celebration so much as well, just picking <laughs> up the dime off the floor. It's such a, a really fun celebration. I love – and, and I think, you know, just having seen a few games of his live as well, I love his personality too. You're just speaking off the court and not necessarily what he's bringing off the court, but on the court. He just seems to be an awesome sort of teammate. And I think we spoke about in the preseason, Nick, a little bit. And I think a lot of fans, including Nolan and others, were skeptical about the signing. I think just the, the, the number looks inflated. But if you're watching Brooklyn Nets games the past five or six games, you would know that DeAndre is making an impact for the most part, and he is far from washed. But I think the narrative is already sort of, it, uh, thanks to his next day, thanks to a little bit of what, what happened in Dallas in terms of him getting sort of uh, shoveled out of there. But he is playing some really good basketball, and, and I think a lot of what he is doing is going to get ignored because Kyrie isn't playing with him right now, and the Nets are almost like the identity that we had last season when Kyrie and KD aren't there or on the bench or whatever, so... He was tremendous tonight. Like Nolan mentioned, really key buckets, some forceful blocks, and he might have uh, made that foul on uh, Devontae Graham, that three-point foul, but he made his case pretty well. He was trying to sort of show... <laughs> he tried. Uh, he's a, I, just, I really like guys who just look like they're having fun when they're playing basketball, because at the end of the day, this is a sport, this is a game, this is an outlet for us all. Yes, it's their livelihood, but I like guys enjoying themselves. Yeah, no, you got to love DeAndre out there. And you think uh, tonight, you know, in the first quarter, the first half, I wasn't super impressed. But that second half, he turned it up and he started to establish great position down low for the offensive boards. A couple times, Nicholas Batum just couldn't do anything because DeAndre had the position, get his hand on the ball, ended up either getting to the free throw line or getting the rebound and obviously finishing the oops. It's kind of continuation, like Nolan pointed out with Jared Allen. Having a guy like that that come off the bench is something they didn't have last year. Ed Davis played a different game. He wasn't really going to finish oops or throw down dunks. DeAndre can provide a little bit of vertical spacing for that second unit, which it really needs with the lack of offensive threats out there. But talking a little bit more about the second unit, what would you guys think about Theo Pinson tonight? One of nine, five points, seven rebounds, zero assists. Uh, it's hard for Theo Pinson because you can clearly tell he's not exactly comfortable playing the point guard position. He's more of a combo guard, but out of necessity, he does have to be the third string with Kyrie down with injury. Um, defensively, he's... I think for the most part, I'm not just talking about this game, I'm talking about previous games too. He's been pretty fundamentally sound. Uh, I'm not, I don't really enjoy him calling his own number as much as he does and going downhill and kind of throwing up these contested uh, layups that don't really have look like they have any chance whatsoever of falling. Um, maybe look to create for others a little more, but again, he doesn't look like he's too comfortable in that position. Um, him and Musa, it's... It's, it's been tough. I'm still holding out faith, especially for Musa being only 20 years of age. And he, the good, good thing is, is that he's confident, but it's almost like he's um, showcasing. Too confident. A bit, yeah, a little too confident. But I, I don't know. With Wilson Chandler returning, you you would have to assume it's between Pinson and Nawaba at this point. And I'm, I'm assuming that Pinson's going to be the odd man out. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, we're only a, a week or so away, I think, Nolan, but it's December 15th, so you know, obviously Eastern Standard Time, American Time, so I have to think a day ahead. But Pinson, I thought, like sort of Nolan was saying, 
I think I'm more comfortable with him on the floor because what he brings as just a defensive presence and he is a better rebounder than, or I think he's just a bit more aggressive than Musa and just knows how to play the game a little bit more than Musa does, or at least has the experience. You know, I, I really love that play, obviously, where he, he got the put back and, you know, showed off and, and had to flex a little bit. You know, Musa can get some offensive boards and be a little bit crafty too, but neither of these guys are NBA caliber players right now. It, it's plain and simple. And the fact we're being forced to play guys who probably don't deserve minutes and wouldn't get minutes on many other rosters in the NBA. So I think that if they're not going to be a net negative, then that's a positive at the end of the night. But they're, it's frustrating to watch, but I think you just have to know that these guys aren't going to be playing minutes when it comes to the nitty-gritty when the Nets are, are really sort of trying to play important basketball in the playoffs in the postseason. So uh, I think it's just something that hopefully they have more good moments than bad. And and tonight, you know, I think it was 50-50 for Pinson. And for Musa, he had one kick-out pass. And the rest were just like, dude, I don't know how you get... So, again, I don't know how he has such a leash. Thank, not tonight, he didn't have the leash with Coach Kenny. He yanked him after, you know, only playing 12 minutes and didn't really see much court time. Thankfully, Shumpert and Nawaba got those minutes. I think all of us have advocated for that. Because I think... Shump with the ball in his hands is comfortable enough, and I think you're going to get as much from that as you would from Musa anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point, Jack. It's like, how much do you really lose with Shumpert offensively? Obviously, Musa has that potential, but you physically can tell he's not ready for NBA minutes, and that's kind of the worry with him. It's like kind of what Nolan asked about. You know, who are they going to get rid of? It's like, on one hand, you don't want to get rid of Musa because you can see the potential. He was a recent first-round pick. A lot of it is to do with physical development. Then you look at Pinson. There's not really a ton of upside, but he does bring that chemistry. Shumpert and Nawab, I think, are getting too many minutes and playing too well defensively to let those guys go. And then, obviously, there's the whole Rodion situation with the legal issues. It's really hard to determine. I think Sean Marks ideally would like to make a trade and maybe move one of these guys either for a late pick or just dump one of them off and open up a, a roster spot. But I'm not sure. It's going to be a tough decision. That's why Sean Marks has to do it and not me. <laughs> Khan, I think one of our guys, Matt Brooks, did a piece, or it was someone else at Nets Daily. Can they convert, say say they let go Henry Ellenson or, or TLC, and then convert, like, Pinson to a two-way? I believe that, so. I believe uh, Christian Winfield uh, posted online on Twitter that they could do that with either Pinson, Musa, or Rodion's. I would prefer well any of those guys makes the most sense to me. Pinson, because... I think, is the most likely to accept where you don't have to worry probably about another team offering an NBA contract where yeah. maybe one of these terrible teams would be like, oh, you know, I'll take a flyer on Musa or Rodion. Sure. Sure. Yeah, you can yeah. see that. You can see that happening. So, yeah. I mean, that that would be a likely scenario, but it's also like kind of a demotion for Pinson. But who is he to, you know, kind of decide? You don't want to set up any bad blood. But getting back to this actual game, you know, like we mentioned, Nawaba Shumpert, great defensively, provided some nice offensive spark from Nawaba. What do you guys think about his three-point shot? Is this something to stay, or is this kind of just a statistical outlier? Unfortunately, um, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it's something to stay. I mean, you would love, you would love to him to stay above forty percent. Um, I, if you look at him historically in his stats, he's he's somewhere between thirty to thirty-five percent shooter. Um, right now, the shots falling and it's it's great and we all love it. But just looking at his shot form traditionally, it it, it it's not exactly you know Clay Thompson like that <laughs> shot form. Um, but I what I really love out of David Nwaba offensively, we obviously love him on the other end of the basketball court. But offensively, especially in his last few games, once he catches the ball beyond the line, 
he almost immediately is looking to attack and get to the rim because he is really athletic. He's really strong. And he's he's not exactly an adept finisher at the rim, but he can get there. He can get to a spot. He can get to the line. And, you know, every now and then finish through contact. Yeah, I think that he has tremendous strength. I think that, yes, the three ball is fluky. Yes, the mechanics aren't amazing. But he's more mechanically sound than, than Musa for, for my part. Um, and, you know, Pinson, I think, has okay mechanics, but, you know, is, you know, in- incredibly inconsistent himself. So, you know, I'm all about David Nwaba. You know, he's probably uh, my new love child. I'm not sure how much <laughs> younger he is than me in general. But I- I'm all about giving him the minutes. You know, 13 points in 16 minutes, 5 and 9 from the field, 2 or 3 from 3. You know, keep shooting your shot, dude. And I think he just provides, you know, a, a tangible energy that provides, you know, an identity on both sides of the floor because, you know, like Nolan was saying, I like him when he's creeping around for those offensive boards. He just, he wants the ball in his hands. He wants to make plays. He has confidence now. You know, I think that, you know, he said, and, and it was mentioned on the broad, the, the yes broadcast today, he's just trying to stay engaged and, and stay focused. And, you know, I'm really happy with him. And I think he's going to be earning those rotation minutes even when the big guys come back. And you can, we've mentioned this a lot, Jack. You can see the fit with when the big guys do come back, having a guy like Nawab out there. And the three-point shot, like you guys mentioned, it's not amazing. I think he's done a good job of, you know, picking the time to shoot it, having a lot of time to get set up, get comfortable, being a wide-open look, and he nailed it. And then you guys mentioned also the driving. There was a play specifically tonight. He saw Devontae Graham on him, and he was in that low post. He was like, all right, I'm going to take this little guy to the rim. He did that, got the bucket. And that's the type of thing you want to see out there. Now, getting back to some of the big dogs, Spencer Dinwiddie, not necessarily his biggest scoring night, 13 points, 12 assists. Do you guys think having bigger defenders on him has impacted Spencer? We saw a lot of Batum. We saw some Washington. We saw Cam Reddish in the Atlanta game. Do you think that's having an impact on Spencer? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't believe it is. Uh, We saw a lot of uh, classic Spencer Dinwiddie step-back threes, which when they're falling, it's, it's great. But he wasn't as aggressive as he's been in previous contests. We also obviously love the 12 assists to only... Well, tonight he had four turnovers. That's actually been uh, a higher turnover number for him as of late. He's he's doing a really good job of initiating the offense and getting others involved. Um, as far as having a bigger body on him, yeah, I, I guess that would have effect on him because he is used to having smaller guys on him and you just take him to the hoop or get to a spot or get what he wants. Um, but overall, even though this was technically an off night for him, he only got to the line four times where he only shot 50%. The three ball was three of eight. It's not terrible, but overall he's four of 13 from the field. You can expect games like that at a Spencer Dinwiddie because at the end of the day, he is a bit of a uh, streaky shooter, but the fact that he had that 12 assists and was getting others involved is obviously a great sight. Yeah, I mean, the team overall was just flames. That ball was fizzing around 35 assists on 42 made field goals. And, you know, Spencer was leading the way there. You know, offensively, I didn't think at times, especially in the first half, he was aggressive enough in terms of really trying to penetrate. There was probably only, you know, he, did, he didn't get to the line a lot and obviously didn't make those free throws either. Um, he, I don't think that, and I think maybe it does have an element. I think you're making a decent point, Nick. But he has a much much better speed than like a Nicholas Batum. I think Cam Reddish is a, is a much better athlete at this point of his career being a rookie. But Nicola Batum doesn't necessarily have that um, in, in comparison. So I think that Spencer needed to, you know, keep doing what he's always done well. But at the end of the day, 
he was still understanding what the offense was giving him, you know, being able to make the passes out of the blitz and the double teams and, you know, find Joe Harrison, find Toy and Prince and get those guys going because, you know, there were, there were so many wide open three pointers. You know, I think that he still had, was a positive effect. And if this is a poor night from him, you know, still double, double and, and increasing the assist numbers. You know, I'm not going to hate at it. Yeah, especially the way teams are starting to play him. I think the bigger, you know, defenders having an impact a little bit at the rim, just a harder contest when you're used to going against guys that are either the same size as you or, you know, two or three inches shorter. And that makes it a little bit easier, I think, at times to trap him or force the ball out of his hands in that pick and roll situation, just having more length. But like you guys talked about, he did a great job reacting to that, getting 12 assists, setting up Joe Harris, setting up Torian Prince, getting others involved, getting those hockey assists and getting the offense moving. But I'll let you guys talk about Joe Harris because I'm sure that's what you want to dive into a little. Little bit more. Oh, here we go. 22 <laughs> points, five assists, zero turnovers, six of eight from three. Big game from Joe. Uh, this is a staple Joe Harris game. Um, I tweeted out during the game, it was like a fun drinking game idea, where <laughs> you take a shot every time uh, Joe Harris makes the wrong decision with the basketball, which basically means that you're going to stay sober for the rest of your uh, time on planet Earth. Yes. Because this guy, he's it's almost like he's incapable of making poor decisions once he has the ball in his hands. Like, every time we've seen this year that he gets his touches, that he gets his looks, that he has early offensive sets run for him, it benefits the Brooklyn Nets. And obviously today, he started off 3 of 3 from 3. He was making great pocket passes to cutting big men. He had 5 assists tonight, no turnovers, so that's incredible in its own right. Uh, 6 of 8 from 3, 8 of 13 from from the field overall. Um, Like... We've mentioned so many times, he's just he's so much more than a shooter. The bearded goat is just so damn fundamentally <laughs> sound. Um, I think it was in the the, net, the Yes Network broadcast where he is now um, third in the three-point percentage for active players behind only the Curry brothers. He took over Kyle Korver. He's at 43% now. So we know Joe Harris just makes the right plays and he shows a lot of effort. You know, even that time where Cherry Rogier got him on the, the ankle breaker, he came back for that. He wanted to contest that. He's not going to... Yeah, and I, I think at the end of the day, Joe Harris shows so much effort and he makes up for, you know, the lack of conventional athleticism by doing everything else so damn well. And, you know, obviously we're going to be a bit hyperbolic when it comes to our guy, but it was a tremendous game from him tonight. And, you know, his three ball falling, you know, it's it's almost expected from him. He takes the right shots. He makes the right plays. He makes the right reads. He shows effort on defense. What more can you say? You know, thank God for Joe Harris. And I think I say that a lot. When the when the team needs a, a bucket from him, you know, you find a Joe Harris look, you get an ATO, t- um, ATO play for him. It generally lifts the team. He is, he is everything. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and I think the fact is, you know, this is an example of like when you're not facing good defense and they don't put a good defender on Joe Harris to cover him the entire game, he's yeah. going to find more open looks. Where we've seen in the past, like Boston's done a good job, you know, even Atlanta in some of that, yeah, Atlanta in some of that game, just forcing him off that three-point line and just making life more difficult. And if you don't do that on a regular basis, Joe Harris is going to knock down pretty much all of his threes, get some assists, and then not commit a turnover. It's about disrupting. And if you don't do that, you know, it's, it's going to be easy for him. And if you do do that, it's going to be easier for his teammates. So Joe Harris's impact, obviously we talk about every buzz episode. It's very big for the Nets, but anybody else you guys want to dive into? Um, you know what? No, no, I can't think of anyone in this. You guys have any uh, other mentions? 
Yeah, I mean, we touched on Joe. We touched on Torian, Jared Allen, DeAndre, Spencer. Temple didn't have a huge game like Jack kind of hinted at. Moose and Pinson got plenty of airtime, and then we talked Shump and Nawaba. But Jack mentioned a stat I thought that would really pop down, and this is a good thing to see. 35 assists on 42 field goals. Yeah, that is incredible. That kind of epitomizes Brooklyn Nets basketball, especially dating back to last year, is what we like to see. Um, right now, you don't have your, you know, key stars in, obviously, with Karis, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant out. You got to move the basketball. You got to compensate for that. You got to get everyone involved. You had six players in double figures. So it's absolutely great job. I, th- I think Kenny Atkinson's done remarkable. Uh, he just seems like he's more um, comfortable in situations like this where he can get more out of his players. Yeah, I think that he, in, in a similar way to sort of Brad Stevens, you know, he has the experience of, of coaching these sort of, you know, less talented teams, so to speak. One note I will make, Nick, it's not a, it's not a game note, but Karis LeVert had a similar look to what Kyrie Irving likes to rock, the, the hoodie with the, the blazer. Is Karis <laughs> LeVert jacking Kyrie Irving swag? I have no idea, Jack. Maybe <laughs> this. I was not prepared for this question tonight. <laughs> Come on, mate. You, you you should be watching him like a hawk, like Nolan and I do with Joe in every single play of Brooklyn Nets game. Looks I nice. do find it interesting. He's on the bench, and then you know Kyrie and Katie aren't. I'm assuming that you know Karis doesn't necessarily need treatment. It's just more about recovery for him. Yeah, I, I think both of them are sort of spent time in spurts. You know, a lot of the time, the games at home, we've seen Kyrie and KD there for the most part. They want to see their guy DJ and you know, hang out and, and be at home and be a part of Barclays' atmosphere. But I do like the the Carol Silver little diamond earring. He, he's a good-looking kid. <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets are, are a horribly handsome team. They do, they do. They have a handsome team. Again, we don't, we don't, we don't have to mention Joe Harris and his look. So. <laughs> they, they do have the swag. The, the swag is is certainly evident, you know, and even like the the recent acquisitions, big fan of Torian Prince's drip, DeAndre Jordan, obviously love his uh, cowboy hats, all about that, especially when Joe Harris is borrowing him too. 100%. I guess before we get out of here, guys, biggest positive takeaway from the game and biggest negative takeaway from the game? Definitely biggest negative has got to be Jean and Musa. Um, I'm, I still have faith in the kid. I've still got a lot of stock invested into him. Um, he he hasn't been able to figure out the NBA game yet. Um, you see him once he catches the ball beyond the perimeter, he, he immediately backpedals. He's looking to create something in isolation. He looks like he's trying a little too hard. He's not allowing the flow of the game to come to him. He's forcing looks. Uh, defensively, I, I actually don't have much to uh, nag on a, uh, with his performance tonight. But once again, offensively, 0 of 3 from the field, 0 of 1. From a three-point land, he's shooting like 16 or 17 percent from distance, and I thought yeah. he was a pretty good shooter. He hasn't been able to figure that out, but definitely the biggest positive was effort and hustle defensively in the second half, and definitely getting everyone involved. Uh, control C, Control V. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think Moose is definitely a negative takeaway. There's probably a couple defensive lapses you'd still like to see them clean up. I think it, either in the fourth quarter or in the third, I think it was actually late in the third quarter, there was Devontae Graham just got open for what felt like three straight wide-open threes on a pick-and-roll set, and Spencer just couldn't get over the screen and nobody stepped up. Those type of things, they just need to continue to clean that up. Offensively, you know, the 35 assists, I think, is a really positive takeaway. But also, I think Torian Prince continuing to improve as a passer is something we can keep an eye on and see how his skill set develops. 
And the rebounding, I will mention, the rebounding continues to be a real focal point. And when the Nets rebound well, you know, do the fundamentals, rebound and pass the ball, it generally leads to good things. Yeah, yeah. and they're taking advantage of, you know, bad rebounding teams. You know, Atlanta, Charlotte, both in yep. bottom 10 in terms of rebound percentage. So, you know, hit them on their weakness. Yes, sir. Exactly. But any final thoughts, fellas, before we get out of here? None here. We're going to get NJ back on so I can just talk about Joe Harris for another 40 minutes. You guys can have a separate pod for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, as always, though, thank you, everybody, for listening. Nolan, give yourself a shout-out. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and find your work. Twitter, at NJensen underscore 1995, and I write words for Nets Republic. And love the show. Thank you guys for having me. Absolute pleasure. Um, does, do people know who I am? Do I have to do the same thing, Nick? I think you're good. I think you're cool. good. You know, you've been cool. on enough times. But uh, as always, a same. pleasure, Jack. <laughs> and you can find the show on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.